How's everybody doing? Yeah? Woo! How many were here last night? All right. Look, look at, hold them up again. Man, look at that. That's a lot of you folks that were here last night. Awesome. And how many heard me say that somewhere between 30 and 40 people gave their hearts to Jesus? And I, I say that because it's really hard when you're up here to see all those hands going up. And there were little people, and they were in the back. My son saw some that I didn't see over here. And there were older people in all ages. And I'm telling you, it was amazing last night. And all because of you guys investing in the kingdom of God. And I want to thank everyone that's in the cast, those that, that serve in the tech and cleanup and all that. Uh, God bless you. Because you know what? You just added some jewels to your crown. I believe that with all my heart. And when you get to heaven, God's going to go, ha, remember that night? Remember that snowy winter, sloppy, messy night? And, and listen, and I, I hesitated. I wasn't going to share this, but I think I should. Somebody that was here last night said this. He said, we couldn't have gotten out last week. We tried. We got stuck in our drive. Couldn't get here. And I won't say where he was from, but uh, he raised his hand for salvation last night. And, and I just went... Don't know the man. You know, he's new to the church or was last night. And uh, you know what? God added somebody because we ended up doing it this weekend. So God takes that that's intended for harm and he turns around for the good of those who love him. Amen? Well, we've had tons of prayer, but I like to pray again. I also like to share from the Scriptures. You're going to get a lot of word today. So I hope you're ready for this. <laughs> I'm telling you. When you're talking about God's armor, there's a lot to it. And I, I realized just as I was finishing up today, I probably should have made this part two weeks, but you're going to get it in one, so you better be ready. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you again for what you're doing in these people. This is, this is your church. You just asked me to be the head of it. And Lord, I, as I'm here, Jesus, my head, Lord, I, I look to you today for everything. The very words that come out of my mouth, Lord, use this man as only you can. And even if I don't say it, and I love praying this, even if I don't say it, Lord, I pray every person here would hear from you. They'd hear a nugget, a little nugget of truth. They would hear something to encourage them. Maybe something they need to change, but I pray everybody would leave here better than they came in. And Lord, again, I commit this time to you. And I pray that you would bless each one as they listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the armor of God. We're talking about spiritual warfare today. And how many know we are at war? Now, Dave Peck took this picture last Sunday. All right? Thank you, Dave. You're, you're quite the photographer, by the way. Just wanted to comment on that. And when I saw it, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to slap that up there because I, I look really mean right there. I have kind of that chiseled look. It, and you can't see my belly, so. Of course, I think most officers tend to have... Anyway, we won't, we'll stop there. <laughs> we are at war! War is, is never pretty, is it? Last Sunday, if you'd been here, and God bless you, I'm glad you stayed home if you needed to. I know my street, we barely made it out with my four-wheel drive Silverado, so I didn't, I didn't fault anyone for not getting here last Sunday. It, you, 
if you needed to, we understood. We got here, and we ended up with, I think, 73 people showed up last Sunday, which to me was amazing. Uh, I expected a handful, but the only reason I had church, I would have canceled it, but I was so angry with the devil because we had put this production together and we expected to have great numbers all weekend, and then this giant storm rolls in like it did, and it, it overtakes us. And of course, we had our Friday night. We ended up having 15 people raise their hand for salvation that night in the midst of the storm. And then Saturday, Sunday, it was like, I just remember walking out to my truck and little ice pellets were hitting my face so hard I couldn't even, I couldn't even keep my eyes open. It was hitting my glasses, and I thought I was going to get my glasses broken. So I say all that to say the only reason I had church last Sunday was because I wasn't going to let the devil get another one on me. And I didn't care if anybody else came. I was going to come and worship the Lord. And I'm serious. That's the only reason. Otherwise, I would have just said, forget it. We're, having, we're not having church. I'm staying home in my warm house just like you guys did. So last Sunday, I started this. And I didn't really know where it was going to go. It was kind of a, just one of those ideas from the Lord, but it turned into, we are at war. We are all at war. In part one, I mentioned that as Christians, we're all in the Lord's army. It's, it's, not, it's not a choice. If you become a Christian... If you become born again, you're in the Lord's army whether you want to be or not. Alright? How many can say amen to that? And as such, we are fighting a continual battle with our enemy, the devil. And that battle is over good and evil and it's over the souls of men and women. Don't think that that storm last weekend was just by chance. It wasn't Mother Nature. Believe me. He hates us. Because we preach the truth in this church. He hates it when people come to Jesus. And that's who we represent, isn't it? That's what we're doing here at the Hope. We're giving the people Jesus. So in Ephesians 6, and I shared this last week, Ephesians 6, 10 and 11, I showed how the devil strategizes us, strategizes to make us ineffective. A final word, Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In whose power? His power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand. So that you will be able to stand firm against all His strategies. Hallelujah. I then used the acronym of war. And I just showed how we're to wake up, stay alert, and what? Resist the devil. I want you to get this today because... What this last little thing says, resist the devil, it's key to our success in the Lord's army. It's key. Alright? Are you with me? Part of staying alert is watching out for the snares that the devil likes to set for us. And I mentioned last week, if you've ever seen these, and I watch a lot of those shows from the Alaska frontier, and it shows those guys going out all the time setting these. And it's just a little wire, and I don't want to be morbid, but you know, they hang it on something and the animal runs in it and as they run through it, it tightens up on them and it might catch a leg, it might catch the neck, whatever. Usually the result is dead. Yeah, death. They're done when they get into this thing. They can't get back out of it. 
It's very difficult to do such. And this is what the devil likes to do with us. He likes to set these snares to try to catch us, to try to prevent us from being useful for the kingdom of God. Say this with me. God wants me to be useful. End quote. God wants me, God wants us to be useful. He wants to use us. And if we put ourselves in His hands, He, he will do that. Now, I believe that one of the snares that the devil likes to use, and again, I shared this last week, and it has to do with worldly involvement. How many of you know what that means? Alright? If your job means more to you than God, if your child means more to you, and listen, this is not easy as a mother, as a father, you love your kids, but they should never take priority over God because they become idolatry, right? If you worship your kids more than you worship God, and some people do, it becomes idolatry. And you can, you can fit any kind of thing into this. Your hobbies. You know, I love fishing, but I've got to be careful that that doesn't become a God. That I worship that more than I worship the Lord. And hopefully I have a balance there. Hallelujah. So if anything means more to you than your relationship with Jesus, that can become a snare. 2 Timothy 2.4 kind of points this out, and it says, Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. You're in the Lord's army, stay away from the worldly stuff. Do God things in your life. And that means... Every area of your life. You need to examine it. All of us should be taking a, a continual inventory of how we're living our lives. Because this stuff sneaks in. All of a sudden you realize, man, what am I doing? I haven't spent any time with Jesus this week. Well, you can't run on fumes. I can't run on fumes. I've tried. It doesn't work. You know what happens? You get halfway down the road and and you're dead in the road, right? Keep that tank filled with God's Holy Spirit. Spend time with Jesus. So, ask this question. What's most important to you? God and His kingdom or your own life? What you're doing. Hallelujah. Let's read verses 10 and 11 again, this time in the, the Living Bible. Last of all, I want to remind you that your strength and this uses a little stronger term. Your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. How many are with me? Do you see this? Where does your power come from? From the Lord. Always from the Lord. And then verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to what? Keep that word in your mind just for a little bit here. To be able to stand safe against all strategies and tricks of Satan. I love this. I love this translation. Our strength comes from Christ who lives in us. If you're born again, Christ lives in you. His spirit enables us to do battle, to be victorious in our daily living. Without Christ though, hear this, without Christ, we have none of that mighty power. So if you're trying to pretend to be a Christian, if you're trying to pretend to be a Christian, don't go running into battle against the devil because I'm telling you what, you're going to die. You're going to die. You better make sure you're right with God when you, you go to put your dukes up 
to stand firm against the devil. Because he is a mighty adversary. He is a mighty adversary, and he wants nothing less than to eat your lunch. War is bloody. Can you say amen to that? And there are always casualties in war. However, in the war we're fighting, our enemy is not of flesh and blood. He is spiritual. But that doesn't mean he's any less dangerous, does it? Ephesians 6.12 For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's where this war has taken place. That's where our enemy resides. Now does he mess with us on earth? You better believe it. If you've watched this play, and I've seen it now a few times, I'm telling you, it really makes it come to life what's happening in the spirit realm. On our behalf, if you're born again. But I also, last night I commented on this, how, and, and God bless you, where's Margie at? Margie, I shouldn't have pointed you out, but as one of the, uh, I'm assuming, lost souls, you're down there chained to the seat, and, and I, I, one of the demons was poking at you the whole night. I know, I know, it was awesome. I was just going, but that's, that's what it's like. And when hell comes, when we're all, when when judgment takes place and everybody is sent to where they're going to spend eternity, that's never going to end for those people. But if you're in his kingdom, hallelujah. Celebrate Jesus, celebrate. Huh? We're going to be right up there with them. Praising the name of Jesus for the rest of eternity. I'm excited about that. Hallelujah. Where was I? Okay. I like how the pulpit commentary puts this. It talks about there being a soul militancy. And I, I thought I'd just put that up. I like how that sounds. Can you say that with me? Soul militancy. You're in the Lord's army. And this soul militancy, which I'm going to point out here, it has four areas that relate to it. And this is again found in the pulpit commentary. And they are the soul's foes, the soul's strength, the soul's weapons, which we're going to get to, and the soul's religiousness. All right? And I'll talk about all these in just a minute. So let's look at each one. First, Foes. How many know we have an enemy? Does he love us? Does he hate us? Yeah, thank you. And we are not fighting against an enemy of flesh and blood. Rather, it's a spiritual enemy. These beings are not human, but they have personalities. Alright? They have differing ranks of authority. Just like you see in God's kingdom, you see the same thing in the devil's. And the devil, of course, is the chief operating officer. He is the general of the evil realm. All Christians need to see that the devil and his cohorts represent evil. It's not something you want to entertain. He's not someone that you want to let into your life. And I have talked to so many people that when they were young, they just opened a door to the satanic realm. And I, specifically, 
a Ouija board. If you've got that thing in your house, you better burn it, all right? I personally saw it work. It conjured up stuff, and I'm telling you, and I hopefully it didn't have any effect on me other than scaring the daylights out of me, but it really worked. And it's not something you want to entertain because that means you're letting the Spirit into you. And not a good one. So fight that urge. He is our enemy. He's not somebody that you want to play around with. We have a real enemy. Second, He gives us our strength. And again, looking at verse 10, we see that it's divine strength, right? Divine strength. And I, I love this because in Second Chronicles, and I actually held this page, almost lost it. In Second Chronicles 20, this is, there's a war going on. And these four, excuse me, three different enemies are coming against Judah and Jerusalem. And pretty much they outnumber them 10 to 1. I mean, it's, it's not looking pretty. All right? And of course, God's people are freaking out. What do we do? What do we do? They're going up against the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Amalekites. You probably heard about the Ites, right? The Ite brothers, man, they're, they're not nice people. But they want to take Israel out of the picture, out of the equation. That's been going on ever since. It still goes on today. They hate Israel. Why? Because they're God's chosen people. And so are we by virtue of our Christianity. So, God's enemies are our enemies. And that's what's happening here. Alright, so... They start asking, what do we do? What do we do? And they start praying. Finally, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children, so everybody's there, the Spirit of the Lord comes on them. Comes on one of them, I'm sorry. And his name is Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, a Levite. Can you imagine saying that name over and over and over? He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen. King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Hear this. Do not be afraid. You started there, and I was like, you rascal, you did it again. You're taking my thunder. The Spirit of the Lord said, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. Hear this. For the battle belongs... To the Lord. This version says the battle is not yours, but it's God's. So tomorrow march out against them and you will find them coming up to the ascent of Zis and at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. And listen to this part. Verse 17. But you will not hear this. Oh, man. I'm telling you, this, this, this part right here. I wish you had your Bible out because you'd see it. But you will not need to fight. Say that with me. But you will not need to fight. So what is the job of the Christian? Take your positions, this verse says, take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Can I get an amen? And a little bit of excitement going on in here. For He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord 
your God is with you. Hallelujah. I want to tell you what. If this doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. So I put this up here just for a little cheat sheet. Don't be afraid. I don't care what you're going through today. Don't be afraid. If you're living for God and you have repented of your sins and they're all under the blood, don't be afraid. If you're not living for the Lord and you have sin in your life, be afraid. Be very afraid. Get that under the blood, man, woman. All right? The battle is yours, God said. When you face off with the enemy, I don't care what you're in. If you're in a business and that business seems like a you're running out of gas, I'm telling you right now, the battle is yours. If you're serving God and you're right where He's called you to be, you are going to get the victory. The battle is yours. Hallelujah. What do we need to do? We take our stand. We take our stand. That's what we're expected to do. That's what verses 10 and 11 told us to do. Stand then. Stand. Say that with me. Stand then. Who can't do this? How many of you stand up right now? Please. I'll be polite. Stand then. This is what we're supposed to do when we face off with our enemy. Stand then. You can sit back down. And finally, watch the Lord's victory. Man. I'm telling you what. If, if this doesn't put a little bit of juice in you, there's something wrong. There really is. Because God has already done everything He needed to do. When I saw, when I saw Jesus, and not to ruin it if you haven't seen it, everything goes dark. Satan's got the keys. In fact, they were up here. I, I thought I saw them, but anyway, it doesn't matter. He's dangling the keys to hell and to death, thinking he's got it all done. It's all his. Jesus is dead. <laughs> And then we hear the stone roll away. The Father's standing over there over the globe. And next thing we know, the lights turn on and and Satan's right in his face. And Satan goes, Whoa! I thought you were dead! What did Jesus do? He stood right in front of him. And I want to tell you what. He says, here, I'll take those. And he took those keys of hell and death back. Alright? Jesus has them now. Not the devil. You see, the devil, he tries to convince us he can do this and that to you, but he can't. It's just a whitewashed lie. Hallelujah. Uh Uh-oh, here he comes. Here comes Jesus. Oh, he's finding the keys. (laughs) See, Jesus, I won't tell you who's playing Jesus. (laughs) Right here. Keys. To to heaven and to Hades. Hallelujah. So... I'm just going to leave them right there, all right? Just as a reminder. I tell you, I get pumped as I go through this stuff. All right, where was I? I've got to get back here. That's our foe. That's our strength, our divine strength. We cannot do anything in and of our own strength. The whole purpose of coming to Christ is that we admit our need for Him. And that's why so many people struggle with this. The big P, pride. Well, what what do I need Jesus for, man? I'm doing just fine. Oh, are you? Well, we'll see when you take your last breath just how fine you're doing, brother, sister. We'll see. Because according to the Bible, 
There's a whole other realm on the other side of this life. And we get one chance to make it right. He's done everything He can to save us. Now it's up to us to say yes to that gift. To say yes to Jesus. But, through Christ we can do all things. Say that with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It has nothing to do with your strength. You could be a weakling in the flesh, but a powerhouse in Jesus because you trust Him. I'm starting to see why the devil didn't want this message to be preached. In her book, and I, I love this illustration and I wanted to share it with you. In her book, Joyful Intentionality, Allison Brown shared about a hamster. How, how many ever had a hamster? A couple of you. All right. You ever seen one of these little things? A hamster wheel? Well, this was in her classroom. And, and every day she would watch this little critter get in there and he'd spend the whole day. You could hear the, you know, because they always need oil. I've never heard a hamster wheel that didn't make noise. What was that little thing doing? He was trying to get to the finish line. And in his little imagination, he thought he was getting there somehow, some way. But what was really happening? Nothing. He was going nowhere fast. Hello? Are you seeing the relation here? When we try to do things in our, in our own strength, that's us. We're like that little hamster. You're not going anywhere. You're just wearing yourself out. You may get some exercise. Alright? And some of us need that. But I'd rather do the exercise that's actually going to accomplish something. So what are we to do? If we're not supposed to be this little gerbil or this little hamster, we're supposed to practice Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Can you say the first part of that with me? Be still and know that I am God. That's our job. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, Pastor Norm. How are we going to win anything if all we do is be still? Because the glory is going to go to God. That's the whole purpose. We're not here to show off. Oh, did you see how big Pastor Norm's church has gotten? My goodness, there are over 200 in there now. Who cares? I don't care if we hit 1,000. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. And that's a fact. And I hope you're getting this, alright? So be still and know that He is God. Get so close to Jesus that when you face a foe, when you face one of those enemies, your faith will rise up and will immediately sense God's mighty power within you. I've had times where I've spent time with the Lord and I just have walked out of that prayer time just so full. Pastor Roger, you mentioned it again about next Friday. Just being able to come into the church and just let your hair down and just worship God. That is such a formidable weapon against the enemy. Satan hates it when we praise Jesus. He absolutely hates the name of Jesus, but when we lift it up like we do in here, he cannot stand it and it will rout him every time. 
He is not going to stick around and listen to us praising the name of Jesus. That's the last place. He'll go down there and he'll spend time in the bar waiting for the brother to fall off the bar stool. He doesn't care about them, but he does care about people that come and worship Jesus. Hallelujah. So get close to God. Fight the good fight, my friends. Fight the good fight. I guess that was it. All right. What do I have there? Not yet. Weapons. We have both defensive and offensive. I did talk about this a little bit last week. Most are defensive, all right? Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, gospel shoes of peace. The offensive weapon is what? The sword of the Spirit, okay? That is the spoken Word of God. And we're going to look at all these in detail in just a minute. Finally, religiousness. What is that? I had to look this up. So I'm borrowing this from the free dictionary. It says, having or showing belief in and reverence for God. Having or showing belief in and reverence for God. How many have that? That's what religiousness is. You know what? People today, they say, oh, I don't want religion, man. This is not religion. This is religiousness. This is an admiration for who you serve. This is recognizing who your source is. That's what it means to have religiousness. And I, I love what the pulpit commentary says, and if you'll allow me to read this, because I couldn't have said this. Religiousness is a conscious dependence on God. How many can say amen to that? And it lies at the foundation of all true soul militancy. A man can do nothing rightly or successfully in spiritual soldiership who is not religious in the very spirit of his being. Religiousness is the only soil in which man's spiritual faculties can grow into heroic vigor. How many know we need some heroic vigor in this place? How many know that we need some heroes in the faith in this place? Wow. How many know you might be called to be a hero of the faith? Come on. By clapping, you're not saying that's me. Relax. But I hope it is. You know, so many of us are afraid to be a hero of the faith. Because it puts the light on you, doesn't it? Everybody's watching. That's not such a bad thing. Especially if you're living right for Jesus. Now if you're not, I ain't clapping on that. You get it? We need some more heroes of the faith. Let me finish this quote. Religiousness is the only soil in which a man's spiritual faculties can grow in heroic vigor. In materialism, they wither. You hear that? If you're connected to the earth, if you're connected to the world, materialism is going to cause your religiousness to wither. In mere intellectualism, they are only, I love this, skeletonic at best. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds cool. In religiousness, they are like the tree planted by the rivers of water. Their roots are in the everlasting. They drink into them the very life of God. Wow! That's what it means to have religiousness. Are you with me? Have I lost you? Alright. So, may we all live with a soul militancy. Verse 16. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able 
to what? Resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle... Thank you. You see that? Are you getting this in your spirit? What's God called us to do? Stand. Resist the devil. Stand. Resist the devil. Stand. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. And he will... That's our job. (laughs) Hallelujah! It's not that difficult. Praise you, Jesus. Verse 14. Now we're going to look at the different pieces. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Wow. The belt of truth. Obviously, we must operate in truth. And there, I could have gone into all kinds of different teachings on this. I'll let you do that. I'll let you study this out. But what I wanted to show you, this belt of truth in the original language is actually is gird. They didn't have belts like we wear today. It was gird, and you girded your loins. And there was an amount of protection there. And if you study this out, you'll see that. But I wanted you to see this. I don't know if it shows up very well. This is what it means to gird your loins. Now this is a man, he's wearing his, in those days, a robe or whatever they called that garment that he wore. See how they brought it up? They hoisted it, pulled it, And look what he can do after. What can he do after? He can run. He can work. Without getting all tangled up, he can fight. That's what this is talking about. When we put on that belt of truth, listen, you represent God's kingdom. And you need to be living in truth. Not a lie. I'm talking about hypocrisy here. Too often the church is indicted because of people that run around saying, oh, I'm a Christian! Got another one? Hey, brother, praise Jesus! You ever met people like that? Really? We're to walk in truth. You know, that old wench that I'm married to, hey, you want to go to church with me Sunday, brother? With my wench and me? Really? Truth. Truth. Represent truth. Your life that everybody sees on the outside should really be what's going on on the inside too. Truth. We need to walk in truth. So gird our loins with that belt of truth. Second, breastplate of righteousness. I love this part. You know, I've even got one of these down here. There's a breastplate, right? Well, not really, but let me, let me remove the sword of the Spirit here for a moment. But when I saw this online, it was cheap. Huh? I'm telling you, I'd feel pretty protected right now with this. Wait a minute. Why didn't you tell me that? Now I look like a complete dummy. Thanks a lot. Everybody's let me get away with it. How's this? Thank you, Brother Dave. Oh my gosh, man. How the heck do you wear this thing? Really? You serious? Oh, I got to be careful. I'll pull my wires out. 
this thing, <coughs> this, is, this is a modern day breastplate of righteousness. All right. Now, he, he told me some things, maybe I shouldn't share them, but they used to have loin protection, right, that dropped down somehow. And, and, but the men, because of this, there was a hole here, so the men were taking it out of there and putting it up here uh, so that if a sniper shot at them, it wouldn't kill them going under their arm. And what Dave said was that, uh, that soldiers are trained now not to do this and run it, but to go straight on. Right? Face your. En- oh no! I knew I was going to do this. You know, I saw you do that last night, brother Ron. You had a, you had trouble with the seed, but you did a great job trying to get that out because I could tell it was hung up. Brother Ron, brother Ron, up here, folks, give him a hand. Hallelujah. All right. The piece of armor. The righteous breastplate. What's it guard? Our heart, right. The heart. Spiritually speaking, we must protect the heart at all costs. I want to tell you, and again, just understand what I'm saying here. As a pastor, I hear a lot. I talk to a lot of you in, in closed sessions, so I, I, I get the dirt. I hear about the sins. I hear about all the stuff going on. And there's a point where you, you really, you do. You can almost take this stuff on. And I have to fight that because it can cause your heart to get hard. You know, if you live with someone that's not serving Jesus, and it goes on and on and on and on and on, after a while, that can really end up making your heart callous because you're sitting there going, God, where are you? I've been living with this man for 30 years and he doesn't bend his knee to you. What is going on? Don't let that happen. Protect your heart at all costs. Keep it soft. Keep it pliable. Can I get a good amen? In Ezekiel uh, 36, it says this, and, and here's God speaking through Ezekiel, and He's telling the people, and I will sh- give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you, and if it disappears behind me, don't worry about it. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. How many need that? Maybe some of you today. You're really struggling with this. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Now I'm going to talk about God's spirit in a couple of weeks. I hope you can come back for that. But today, talking about the righteousness of God, the breastplate of righteousness, what I wanted to say is that it's meant to be worn so that we're facing at people. Are you, are you ready or no? You're not able to do it? or Yes? I'm Good. walking backwards on the trail back to the camp. I'm walking on the trail and oh, mom and two is. cubs. So I am continually to walk backwards. Talk about a close encounter. A mama grizzly and her two cubs follow a hiker and he keeps his cell phone camera rolling. And are walking at least as fast as I am. You can hear him breathing heavily trying to figure out his next move. And what I don't want to do as I'm walking backwards is stumble. The cubs were out in front of mom 
and they were just playing around and I was interesting to them. And I, what I, my real worry was, was that they, they would get so close that mama bear would think I was a threat and then come after me. Most people would be paralyzed by fear, so, but not Jeffrey so. Glasner. I was only going to be scared and concerned if mama was out and was moving faster. The 74-year-old from California backwards. was visiting a national park in Alaska. He hoped the grizzly family would turn off the trail and stop following him. Oh, come on, guys, give me a break. The cubs just wouldn't stop, and of course, protective mama followed close behind. Cubs just keep coming. Oh, come on. Most times they'll just turn around and walk away, but there's always the possibility that a bear will will charge you. In the end, what the bears were really looking for was a spot to cool off, and they found it, leaving one hiker thanking his lucky stars. The mom and the cubs keep following me. Thank you, Inside Edition. <clears throat> We used to be able to do things with YouTube that we can't do legally anymore, so we're trying to get around that. But I really wanted to show you this for one reason. And let me share that reason while, while uh, Mandy is back there trying to get this back up. The Roman soldiers only wore their breastplate in battle. It was never for decoration. You know, we don't wear this kind of stuff to do a parade march. Right, Dave? No. That's crazy. Their breastplate only... In the Roman days, their breastplate only protected the front half, the front side. What's that mean? Simply, if you ran, if you turned your back on the enemy, you'd probably be dead. Exactly. So everybody had to be aware of this. Everybody had to make sure that they didn't turn their back on the enemy. And there was, there was no retreat. All right? There was no retreat. There's no retreat for you and me. Once we've signed up, once we're in the Lord's army, what do you have to fear? And if you turn on the enemy, like this guy, in the, and I thought it was so appropriate because he never turned. It didn't mean he didn't back up. Come on, be smart. you got a bus coming at you. You better move. Right? Well, Jesus has got it. Use common sense. You got a mama bear coming at you with two cubs? Oh, I'd be praying in Jesus' name, all right. But I would not turn my back on that bear because they, they see that as fear. Exactly. And they will charge you. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. We're back up and running. What did the hiker do right? He never turned it and ran. And as I said, if he had, the bear would most likely have attacked him and overcome him. Last week I shared this. Mandy, can you, can you do that uh, sermon thing again so I can see it on the back screen? Just to make sure I've got it up there. She is awesome. Give Mandy a hand this morning. You see, you guys don't realize what people in that booth do. Brother Todd, God bless you. Give him a hand too. You do not realize everything that goes on just to make this thing happen every Sunday. And that young lady up there, man, she rocks it. And I just appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. So last week I started with this. 2 Timothy 1.7, and this is 
this is from the, oops, this is from the, there we go. God's Spirit, say this with me, God's Spirit doesn't make cowards out of us. The Spirit gives us power, love, and self-control. Now you could add that one to your refrigerator. That'd be a good one to have up there, right? And just as the Roman soldiers always faced his enemy, we soldiers of Christ must not back down from ours. Writer and author Beth Moore said, when we are driven by a spirit of fear, we act out of the antithesis of power, the opposite of power, love, and a sound mind. Fear causes us to trade power for an overwhelming, pervasive feeling of powerlessness. Anybody here say amen? Don't practice that stuff. It's a practice. God did not give us, God didn't make us cowards. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but rather one of power and of love and of a sound mind, or as some of the versions call it, self-discipline. Yet in all these things, no dis- <laughs> this is a different translation, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. That's what we have to cling to. Can I get a good amen? All right. How are we doing on time? Oh, my goodness. I told you this should have been two weeks. Ephesians 6.15, and I'm going to put the, speed it up. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. The the Living Bible says, wear shoes that are able to speed you on as you preach the good news of peace with God. And then, who was it? Chelsea shared this this morning. Uh, she actually shared from Romans 10, but Paul was quoting Isaiah 52.7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation, the news that God of, the God of Israel reigns. Our mission is to always have an answer for people. When somebody asks, we should be able to give them an answer. And it might be, uh, you know what, uh, let me study this out. And let me get back with you. Get their phone number. Tell them you'll meet them for coffee and and you can discuss it again in the future. What you shouldn't say is, well, I just don't know that stuff. Hey, you know, I'm kind of afraid to talk about this because people will really see that I don't know anything. Really? What is that? It's a spirit of fear. You know what? If, If you don't understand things and study... your Bibles out. Start in the book of John and just start reading that thing over and over and over. Believe me, you'll have a base. You'll be able to tell anybody anything about Jesus if you go through the Bible and you just begin to study it. I know you can do it. Ephesians 6.16 In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Or some of the versions say the evil one. This is the shield of faith. Alright. Now I can actually hold it up. Isn't that fancy? Really, it's just plastic. You knew that, though. If somebody shot an arrow at me right now, I'd be dead. Unless I was wearing my righteous breastplate. Right? So, what is this? What is this all about? The shield of faith is probably one of the most important pieces of armor that we have. Hebrews 11.6 You can never please God without faith. Ever. You have to have it. 
Everybody has a shield of faith. Why do I know that? Because anyone who wants to come to God must believe there is a God and that He rewards those who sincerely look for Him. We must always keep our shield of faith high, living out Hebrews 3.12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the Lord. Don't lose faith. We've got to hold that shield of faith up. And what I wanted to show you, and this is a description from the uh, IVP commentary, the Romans had these four foot tall by two foot wide shields that they carried. This was for battle, of course. Uh, They were made of leather, and before the battles, they would dip those things in water so it collected enough that when they went into the war or into the battle and their enemy shot those fiery darts, what would it do? It would extinguish them. And I actually have a picture of this up here. It's called a shield dome. Can you see that? So the guys that are all in the front, and then the, the guys behind them, they put theirs over the top, and it's almost like a big turtle shell. And it's protecting the ranks. It's protecting all the men in the battle. And if those arrows come flying down on them, and if you ever saw 300, you know it can look pretty wicked. But it would, they would all be protected as long as they had their shields of faith up. Same thing with us in a spiritual way. Can you make that connection? Hold up, hold up right now. Hold it up. Put that shield of faith up. That's your weapon, folks. You've got to believe. God's got this. God's got this. Victory is mine. Because it's His. Hallelujah. What's that devil going to do to me? And I only share this because together we're better. Together we're stronger. When you face a trial or a tribulation, what should you do? Well, first, you should pray. Okay, Don't, don't ever let your prayer rest on somebody else's. you got to have faith first. But then, call the troops. Let's get this going. We call it a prayer chain here. Prayer at... GaylordChurch.com, you can put anything on there you want that you're not embarrassed for everybody to see in the prayer ministry. Put it on there. If you need prayer, man, I haven't had a bowel movement in three weeks. Hey, if you put it out there, we'll pray for it. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Well, maybe I should have. You get what I'm saying. I remember Pastor Dave told this story once. He had a guy come to the prayer line and he was... He was uh, Well, he had hemorrhoids. And the guy just started screaming when he prayed for him. And he said, the fire's left my... God healed him, but everybody knew. Yeah, I love it. We serve an awesome God. Together we're better. Fight the good fight. We all need to get in the fight. The last two pieces are found in Ephesians 6.17. That salvation, put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Of course, the helmet of salvation protects our pumpkin, which eyes, ears, brain, and some feel that our emotions, you know, our, our character, our personality, all that's in here, right? All our thoughts stem from this area. Uh, how many have ever fought your emotions? You know, there's a thing called depression today that, man, it rocks people's world. And listen, if that's you, 
just keep praying, God, deliver me from this. Because I know sometimes our emotions are... Or you're trying to find the direction God wants you to take. And, and it's just like, you just don't seem to get that peace. What are you supposed to do? Pray, but stand. Stand. Stand firm. Stop. You know what? If you don't have peace, what are you still moving for? Well, God, are you with me, God? Are you with me? Ah! No, stop. What if there is a precipice right there? Just stop. Wait till you get to peace or some kind of direction. Don't go any farther. That honors the Lord, right? So the helmet of salvation, which I happen to have here, sort of. But I, I don't think I can get it on. I'm not going to. Oh, it did fit. Never mind. I can wear that. So we all fight our own emotions, but we also fight the old man. How many know what I'm talking about? The world of the flesh. The flesh. That's what we fight. You know, when you become born again, it's not instantly over. You still got a body of flesh, and that thing's going to rise up on you. Right? And you don't usually know when. That's the bad part. If we knew when, it'd be easier to fight it. The flesh, the old man, he tries to crop his head back up. And you got to have the mind of Christ, man. You have got to fight that in the Spirit. That's why it's so important. Listen to this. It's so important to reach our kids when they're young with the Gospel. So they don't have so much of that old man to contend with. How many would agree if you live 50 years in the flesh and the last 25 or 35 in the Spirit, you got a lot of flesh you have to overcome. Not saying you can't. We do. But if you save a child at the age of 5 or 8 or 10, man, that's a lot less flesh to have to deal with. Are you with me? So after our rebirth, we should have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16. I actually have these up behind me. The old man is dead and the new man lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17. And we must protect the new man. Otherwise, we would be like the dog who goes back to his vomit. Proverbs 26.11. Let me finish with this one on the helmet. Let us live, let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5.8. Last but not least, and I'll go through this and we'll, we'll start to close. The sword of the Spirit, which is, of course, Right? No. This is cool, though. I just wanted to do that. This is the Word of God. This is our sword. But it's not this book. It's this book coming out of us. Greater is He who is in me than he that's in this world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. You've got to be able to call that stuff up. And you should know some of the basic Scriptures to be able to do that. Because like I said earlier, the devil hates it when we praise Jesus and he hates it when we recall Scripture. Before Jesus officially started ministering to the people, he went into the desert, if you remember this, in Luke 4. He went into the desert where the Bible says he fasted and he prayed for 40 days and, and, and nights. I don't recommend this, by the way. While he was there, in that weakened state, he was attacked by the devil three times. And I wanted to share this part with you. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, change this stone into a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the 
The what? The, oh, you don't have it behind me. The Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. I thought I had it up there, sorry. Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. Then the devil took Jesus to a high place, offered to give him the kingdoms of the earth if Jesus would just worship him. Verse 8 says, The Scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Again, Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 6.13. Then the devil took Jesus to the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say, What? Yes! The devil's quoting Scripture here. He's quoting Scripture. In fact, he's quoting Psalm 91.11 and 12. He said, He will order His angels to protect you and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So even the devil knows Scripture. But Jesus replies, the Scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And there He was quoting Deuteronomy 6.16. So every time the devil came against Jesus, how did Jesus reply? With the Word. With the sword of the Spirit. Now, he was quoting the Old Testament. We have the advantage of the New. It was all written for us. We have God's Word. And every time you face an assault, don't cower. Don't be afraid. Take your stand. Find the right Scriptures to stand on. And then quote them out loud if you need to. But for heaven's sake, don't turn your back and run away like a mamby-pamby little baby. Because you're in the Lord's army. There are no deserters in God's army. And God expects that from us. The devil then left Jesus until he had opportunity. So again, Jesus fought the devil with the Word of God, with Scripture. 